Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we're talking about first date and release. I just yes, can't just not hear the, the, the vaguely sexual way to say that word <laughs> for whatever reason. I mean, it might be a me problem, but it also might be an Angel the Show problem. Probably, if we're honest, it's a me problem. <laughs> Yeah, what, I mean, like a little bit of title a little of column A, a little of column B. Anyway, I just felt disgusting saying that word. Sorry. I'm Release? Chi- I'm a child, yeah. Oh, well, coming after first date, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is, saying them together. I guess I'm just admitting that I'm being a pervert today. No, also, Angelus is, like... He's really sexual. Yeah. And that, it, well, and we can get into the rest of it. Yeah. Well, Okay. Um, I know. I almost I just like, like I've gave almost a whole... started talking about Angel like five times. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, well, how are you doing today? Um, I'm good. We haven't recorded in a while. Um, we took a little break for the holidays and travels and all kinds of fun stuff. And yeah, it was. I watched these episodes last night, and it was. I was like, oh, right, I'm watching Buffy and Angel. That was how I felt. I was like, this is like when, the, when you're on a vacation and you come back to your desk and you're like, God, what do I do here? Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what, what's, I, what I had am that I, what's happening in these <laughs> seasons? What do I do? What, what's my yeah. responsibility here? We have this like weekly meeting on Mondays where we like give a recap of like our past week and talk about like what the stuff on our like to-do list for the week to come. Mm-hmm. And like this past week I was like and TBD yeah <laughs> I, I don't like, know I don't remember what I was doing two weeks ago so <laughs> I'll fill you in later yeah so the only silver lining was I was so jet lagged that that's the first time I've ever been like wide awake for that meeting right yeah that's pretty that's pretty <laughs> yeah interesting it was like 5 a.m I'm like time to go to work <laughs> <laughs> that uh, usually doesn't happen to me like this time it really kicked my butt and I was like, it took me like five days to get over it. I was like, yeah. is this just my new normal? Like, do I just wake up at 3 a.m. now? <laughs> so, uh, spoiler alert, no. All I needed That's was good. like one super late night out on Thursday to reset. To just get, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that invited its own host of problems, mm-hmm. like being hungover at work on Friday. Right. But I did learn the horrifying fact that... If you go to a bar where they say they're having throwback night and it's a picture of the Spice Girls, it might mm. lead you to believe that they're playing 90s music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was some 90s music, but Jenny, did you know that we are now old enough that all the music we listened to in high school is considered throwback? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was like, why are you playing Nelly? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. 90s I've accepted as retro, but the aughts turning into that too is like, ooh. That's I was like, I'm not ready. Meaner. I'm yeah. not ready. <laughs> Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. I've had a, you know, I really hit that time of the year where I'm like, I'm just so busy that I'm extremely overwhelmed. And if I stop and think about it, I'll have like a little meltdown. So Mm. it's December. There's a lot of stuff. We're trying to tie up some wedding stuff, trying to get my Christmas shopping done. I've got like a lot of work, but I've got things planned most days after work. So it's like, I can't really work late ever because I've like got to go meet people for things and it's all nice things, but it's like, you know, there's just always that pressure that's like, well, if I don't see you now, I won't see you again until next year. And it always feels very like, that's a lot. 
also like Star yeah, Wars movies and comes that, out isn't and you that make weirdly stressful in its own yeah, way when it you're is. like you want to be like like it's something that you actively want to do but you're like it would just be a lot easier right now if I didn't have to do this. Yeah, exactly. So I had a very lovely day yesterday. I did a makeup trial for the wedding. And then we oh. went to this oddities flea market that I've been trying to go to for years and always met, like I'm always out of town or something when they're doing it. But, um, that was fun. I got some, you know, cool, interesting things for the weird people in my family. Um, <clears throat> and then we just hung out with some friends, but it was, it was fun. Like my, we went to my friend's boyfriend's house and like he had invited a couple people over. So it was nice. Cause it was like, I don't know. Like I knew some of the people there, but it wasn't like. I don't know. It was just fun. Like I, I don't meet that many like groups of new people and like actually like them. <laughs> yeah. I guess I was like, Oh, this is actually really fun. And it was like, it was new and fresh, but also like definitely people that I would get along with. So it was like, not, it was like easy, you know? Yeah. Anyway, no, that's we did stay always out great. too late. Like, Alex, like, Oh, this is like refreshing. Yeah. Alex tried to get us to leave. He was like, we should go. Cause you have to watch angel in the morning. And I was like, we should. And then we played this like pretty fun game and, and, and I got home late, but I didn't, I drank a moderate amount, so I feel fine. I'm just, didn't really get to bank the sleep yesterday or the night before that I sometimes do on the weekends. I know that's not a thing, but like, I was still just going to really say, tired. if it but makes you, know, you feel better, that's not a thing. <laughs> what I, I guess what I mean to say is I'm so tired during the week, but can't get it together that the weekend is often the only time that I'm like, ah, now I'll sleep eight hours. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Yeah, make up for it was more what I meant than bank it, even though that's still, it's still all the same thing. I'm just tired and I want to sleep, but I didn't, I mean, I slept fine. I slept Isn't that okay the most depressing thing? Like that you can't make up sleep. So yeah. like you've you're just lost tired it forever. forever. Yeah. Had like you're like, oh, I've damaged myself and I can't fix it. <laughs> I was having weird, weird dreams. My dreams are always a little bit stressful. I will say that two nights ago I had some dream that involved Candace Cameron, but I can't really remember the details <laughs> anymore. I'm certain it's because I saw a promo on Netflix when I opened Netflix for Fuller House, but or I just think about Candace Cameron too much. I'm not sure. Anyway. They so, canceled that, right? No, it just came out with a new season. No, but I thought they oh, after this? Fuller House. Probably. Yeah. God, I hope so. Yeah. It's insane yeah. that it's gone on as long as it has. <laughs> I mean, Why like, also Aunt this? Becky can't be on it anymore. No, so. I'm, I do want to see how they write her off. I mean, they oh. probably won't. Like, I well, mean, she's not in what's it. crazy is, like, no, they you did. know, remember when it launched and they were, like, shaming the Olsen twins for, like, not, not showing up, it. like, on camera. And yeah. it's like, I doubt they're going to shame Lori Laughlin for committing a crime. No, I don't think they're going <laughs> to shame her, but they did not hire her back. So the haptics, she's been in the whole show, so they have to explain it somehow why she's all of a sudden not there. Yeah, I mean, there's like always episodes where they're like, "Oh, so and so has to go do this, right?" Or whatever. So they just adopted a baby, Allie. <laughs> her, Wait, and, what? her and Jesse have another child. It's like a, it's like they've been in it a lot. Like Danny and Joey have only been in it like once or twice. Whereas, like, if they weren't in it, the rest of the show you wouldn't notice. But Jesse and Becky have actually been in it quite a bit. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I didn't know they like didn't just like pop in and out. I mean, they like, do just pop in and out. But I would say of the people that do that, they're in it the most. Interesting. I really feel like they need to give some sort of lip service to like, she got put on assignment and made it big and she's the news anchor for CNN. That's what I would have written. <laughs> anyway, just FYI. Why don't you write them a letter? Uh, if they want me to be them. a show uh, writer for the show that's probably canceled and is also awful, I would be great at it. <laughs> you could only make it better. At least it's you true. know that you couldn't, couldn't make, make it, it worse. It couldn't possibly get worse. <laughs> uh. um, speaking of worse. Yes. Um... Let's 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 move in. Yes, uh, let's, because these otherwise are maybe I can the worst. Quickly, of, wait. 
I'm so sorry. You know how some you maybe have posed this to me, or maybe it's just a, a thing I see floating around on like Twitter or Reddit or something sometimes, where people are like, if you were forced to give a TED talk like right now with 10 minutes to prepare, like what would you talk about? One time I told you I have no idea, and you were like, you could talk about Buffy, and I was like, yes, yes, you're right. But I'm just <laughs> making a mental note that if I ever find myself in this very odd situation, the other thing is that I could talk about Full House <laughs> and <laughs> also Gremlins too. Those are those are the ones that I could do. I have no useful skills or information in my head at all, but. I could probably give an hour long lecture on any of those three uh, TV shows and movies. Well, those are good things to keep in your back pocket. Just in case it comes up. Yeah. You never know. Mm -hmm. You could give your TED talk at your wedding and no one will stop you. (laughs) I'm so glad you guys have all come here today. I have some important things I need to tell you about Full House to just get off my chest. (laughs) Well, they can't stop you. It's the bride's prerogative. It's true. (laughs) That's your moment. Mm, No, you're going to be sorry you said this to me. How viral would that go? It was like, (laughs) Bride gives TED Talk at her wedding on Full House. (laughs) Uh, Okay, now we really have to move on. (laughs) Okay, let's give our TED Talk on Buffy. (laughs) Yes, okay, well, all right, let's talk about First first Date, date, which I remembered more fondly than I felt yesterday watching it. So It's true. um, Yeah, I'm going to try to keep it short because truthfully, I don't think much happened. I don't remember much. And Mm. it was terrible. Mm. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) not to give away what I think. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So first date. I'm trying to be like, this is where we left off in the last episode, but I don't remember where we left off in the last episode. Right. So basically Buffy has decided that she's now suspicious of Principal Wood. So she's going to work. She's like sneaking around his office And he kind of catches her in the middle of it. And instead of calling her out for sneaking around his secret, what turns out to be his, like, secret knife storage, Mm -hmm. um, he asks her out on a date. Or a maybe date. Basically, he just asks her out to dinner. And so Buffy spends a while trying to decide, is he trying to actually ask me on a date? Is this him trying to kill me because he's a minion of the first Mm -hmm. because she has seen him in the basement and like around you know he also is a principal who works at a high school that sits on the hellmouth so all of these things make her suspicious so it turns out that it's kind of maybe a real date but on their way to dinner they get attacked by quite a few vampires and it turns out that both of them are actually pretty good at fighting vampires and Buffy first thinks that he set her up but then Watching him fight the vampires realizes maybe that's not true. And it turns out that Principal Wood is actually the son of a slayer. Mm-hmm. Which Buffy kind of like fangirls out a little bit in a way because she's never heard of or met anybody who is related to a slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, or nevertheless the child of a slayer. And she has a lot of questions, understandably, because Buffy as like the oldest slayer, you know, these are things that might come up rather than like 16 year old slayer fighting. Like as she says, like these are things she never knew were true Mm -hmm. that this could happen. He kind of explains like, yeah, he doesn't know anybody like him either. His mom died when he was like three or four and he was then raised and trained by her watcher so that's why he's good at fighting not because he has any latent slayer abilities so the the date turns like maybe slightly romantic after that but then spike shows up because 
while Buffy has been on this date, Xander has also been on a first date with this cute girl that he met in the hardware store. And, you know, there's a lot of jokes around maybe she's a demon because Xander's only a gets attracted to demons or they're attracted to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what starts out as a joke turns out to be actually true as they have this great date over coffee, but then she takes him to the school basement and ties him <laughs> up with the ropes that he helped her buy and starts trying to bleed him to open the seal. Um, and basically says, like, something's coming. We've all had to pick a side. I'm helping the first. Mm-hmm. And... Buffy shows up to rescue Xander once they figure out that he sent a text code to Willow that either means he's getting lucky or he's being killed. So um, they decide to err on the side of caution on that one. And then also there's a new slayer in the house who doesn't speak English, and there's a lot of terrible jokes around that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's pretty much the episode. And Buffy and Spike have a moment um, during the fighting, and she's also trying to... Reassure Giles that there's nothing going on with them, but Giles is saying, like, hey, you might not be in a physical relationship with him, but you do have this connection that might be making things a little bit complicated for you Mm -hmm. in the current situation. Um, And also, Andrew is visited by ghost Jonathan, who is trying to get him to find the gun that Willow had in the last episode and shoot all the potential slayers. But um, Andrew decides, nope, he's actually on the good side now, and instead he wears a wire while he's talking to the ghost, and they try to catch the first out in some shenanigans, Uh which doesn't go. It goes about as well as planned. Yeah, Yeah. about as well as as it sounds it could. Uh, Also, just to throw in there, actually the one place where we did leave off was last episode ended on a cliffhanger that they... Well, hmm. oh right. Uh, Spike doesn't have his chip anymore. We we, yes, we can talk more right. about those Thank implications. You. That was such a non thing that yeah. I totally forgot about it. Yeah, and yeah, it sure was. Yeah, yeah. Also, right. Giles explains how he did escape being beheaded by the right. first minions, and also at the end of the episode, the first tells Prince Wood oh, that right. the yes. vampire who killed his mother was actually Spike. Yeah. Well. <sighs> I mean, I agree. I think this episode is very lackluster. I did have a good memory of it. I think what I'm actually thinking of is the one where we get some more resolution on that reveal at the end of this episode. But I don't know. Uh, We it has been a few weeks since we've recorded, but I do remember us talking a lot last week about how we were annoyed with the Kennedy storyline. Or maybe this was just my opinion. And uh, man, maybe that Buffy Spike storyline would have been more interesting to explore. And then they left it as though it were a cliffhanger. And then in this episode, quickly just dismissed it and moved on. <laughs> I mean, no, Buffy and Spike are both like, yeah, yeah, no big deal. It's the right thing to do. We're cool. We're cool. And like, yeah, like I, there's nothing like I get it. I get that. Or rather, I get that. I think they think they're dealing with it by having those conversations between Buffy and Giles. But I was just very unsatisfied by like, I still I, when Buffy explained it to Giles, I was like, you sound really stupid. I also agree that she made the right choice, like not because not really for like whatever logic she seemed to kind of present to Giles, which is like, he can never prove he's good if we don't let him, which like, sort of, but I don't, I don't know if that's really the reason, but I don't know. I just, I really would have liked to see her and Spike like wrestle with that choice a little bit more rather than just have Giles scold her. I I don't know. It just, it really, it didn't land for me at all. Well, they kind of present it in a way that implies Buffy had no wrestling to do with this choice. That she it's was true. just like, yep, sounds good, take it out. Because, you know, <sighs> she's trying to present it to Giles as this, like, 
bigger thing of, right, like you said, like, let him prove to us that he's good, but she's also saying it in a way that implies there's absolutely no risk of him taking it out. And, like, her rationale is that he had the chip in his head when the first was using him as a sleeper agent, but they don't know that it was even working at that point, so... I mean, that's... I actually think that is is decent. It's true, though. I always kind of assumed the first broke it, but I think that's just been my weird, like, fanfic about this, the way that this all plays out, but... Yeah, it's true. I don't know, man. I also feel like, again, because Giles is kind of like, they're trying to draw Buffy and Spike together again, which I, you know, we've obviously covered this a lot. I feel like if we're going to do it, just do it. But fine. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I also feel like, once again, Giles is kind of suggesting that Buffy made this choice because she's in love with Spike. And I also don't like intertwining those two things. I really think she can make this choice, regardless of her feelings for Spike, as like a coherent like confident slayer you know what i mean okay so let's talk about that though really briefly because she does tell giles and even willow you know why does everybody think i'm still in love with spike right but what i want to kind of talk about in that sentence construction is the fact that she was ever in love with spike because in season six it was heavily implied that Buffy was not in love with Spike. Yeah, that no, she was I agree. just using him for something that she couldn't get anywhere else because she was so down on herself and like thought that he was all she deserved. But like, there was no implication that that meant she was in love with him. And so this kind of weird retcon it is seems kind to of, me yeah, that- to be happening only because. Let's go back to it. Yeah. Because We're supposed to forget that Spike tried to rape her. So yeah. it doesn't matter if she's in love with him. Right. <laughs> but if it's just some monster that she degraded herself with because she felt felt that she didn't deserve anything better. Right. And that's a harder pill to swallow that she's going back to that well. But like now it's feelings. But like now it it was always feelings. It's and true. Love, it's know, true. It's just, I mean, it I, just it, I found myself getting a little bit annoyed because this is what we why we were talking about why that was such a terrible idea is like, right. if this is where you want to take these characters, that's a hurdle that in my mind you can't cross. Mm-hmm. And, and so like every time something nice happens, I'm like, Oh, right. I'm getting kind of a warm and fuzzy feeling, but Oh yeah. Like, you but know, it like, like Buffy literally like came out of the bathroom and like met Spike. And I was like, ah, like, yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it's a good point too, though, that like, why retcon it that way? I, it is so strange. I, 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 I mean, I think just to be nitpicky, I do think that everything you said about season six and Buffy's feelings for Spike is correct. I do think that there was, she did have feelings for him. I don't think she or us ever would have called it her being in love with him though. So it's not as though like it wasn't only punished or rather, I mean, it was, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to get at. I'm just trying to say, it's not like she didn't have feelings for him at all. So I don't feel like her, still having lingering feelings for him is a retcon, but yes, her calling it love and them kind of reflecting on it with tenderness instead of what it was, which was not a healthy relationship. It was like completely toxic for both of them. Like, yeah, it is weird. It, it is weird because they can't name it and they can't call it the right thing. Like we can't move on from it. You know, it's like, we're not addressing what any of the problems were. We're just pretending that they never existed. And like, that's weirder than even trying well, to make them have real growth together. Like there've been one or two moments where they kind that- of did give them nice teamwork and like something that we could have grasped onto and kind of moved on from. But now that they're just like, remember when they were in love <laughs> and then what was that thing that happened? I don't know. Why aren't they in love anymore? You know? Yeah, it is weird. Like, why are we doing no, it this way? It's really weird. And I agree with you that there was always some kind of implication that Buffy was developing feelings. Right. Mm-hmm. But 
to call, to take it here and to talk about it as this like, you know, we were in love kind of situation. I mean, we always knew Spike was in love right. with her, but Buffy might have developed something towards him beyond just like hate sex, but love seems like it was a, a bit little of a strong. stretch. Yeah, yeah, and and it seems like they're trying to say it now so that they can put him in the same caliber as like Buffy's past love. Right, but. I, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, they just bumbled last season. We don't have to dwell on it, yeah. like, too much. I was just, like, I don't, like, retcons really annoy me because... Yeah, we're all it watching just seems it. like you're not confident in, stu- in the way that you took it previously, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, sometimes retcons are fine. Like, sometimes they're fun. Sometimes they're used effectively to, like, reveal something about someone's past. But, like, this is just obviously, like, they're taking we us for idiots. And yeah. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, I agree. I mean, I think a, a retcon is appropriate when it's like, clearly we had no idea the show was going to last for seven seasons. So if one time in the second episode of season one, we said like Xander's favorite color is blue and now we're like, you know, saying it's red, like that's fine. You can change things like that, you know, where it's like, that's not like overhauling the character. You just didn't think that was going to come up again. And I understand those kinds of things. But yeah, where it's like, we were already in season six at that point. This isn't some weird thing that they're going back to and retouching from season one you knew that this show had legs and that we were going to have another season when you wrote that garbage. So yes, now I'm getting heated and I didn't actually have any heated feelings about this episode <laughs> because it was very bland and boring, <laughs> but yes. Suffice it to say, what was lurking under the surface. <laughs> I guess, I guess suffice to say, obviously we, I, we, we and I were unhappy with the way that Spike's character turned out last season. And I, I, because we're doing this and for lots of reasons was like, all right, well, let's see how we can move on. And I remember a few episodes ago, as I said, like when they were teaming up together and you could see that like, maybe they're going to forge a new different type of bond and a different kind of relationship. And I was like, if they keep going on that, I could see myself falling back into this romance, but, but they're not doing that. And it's annoying. It kind no, of, they're trying to pretend that they're Bond just was pretending always it there. Didn't, yeah, they're just pretending that things happened a different way rather than dealing with the consequences of what happened. It's like that only resulted in Spike getting his soul back, and that was the only reason that they wrote that stupid story. Instead of, yeah, now how are they going to come back from it? And what are all these moral gray areas? I mean, like, they sort of touch on it. Anyways, I, yes. I also, I guess, going back to my very original point, though, I hate that they're trying to imply as always, though, that Buffy can't make sound decisions because she has feelings for someone. Like, maybe she is sometimes clouded by that. I just, whatever they're trying to say about her and Spike's romance at this moment, I don't think that she took the chip out because she's so in love with him. (laughs) You know, like, I don't, I just don't think that tracks. And I hate that they're even muddying that as part of the decision. And as we also both said, that they're not even really letting any of that decision-making air out. They're just giving her a couple of stupid lines to argue with Giles about and then moving on as though this wasn't a big decision. Okay, Um, so bad. They didn't deal with the thing. We literally said last week, like, well, maybe they deal with this and we just don't remember. The answer is they don't. They don't deal with it at all. They they handled it badly and it was annoying. So strike one, still not putting in the foreground the things that are more interesting than some of the other things. I mean, I am interested in Principal Wood, though. I don't Uh, know. Okay. All right. I feel like I could keep going down this vein, like, all day. Same, but Um, let's... But I'm trying to have sane uh, uh, recording links, and also mm-hmm. I'm surprised how much we had to say about it. I know, me too. <laughs> We're I know. Both like, oh, this is terrible. Um, okay, so on the other date mm-hmm. spectrum, I don't know how much attention I really want to give to Xander's story because I feel like it's mostly played for comedic. Relief. I think so too. Um, yeah. I mean, there are some larger story implications, and 
there is some real indication in this this storyline that Xander does actually feel remorse for what he did to Anya. Mm-hmm. And they also seem to be opening the door a crack for Xander and Anya in a way because yeah, Anya is admitting that her feelings for him go back and forth. Yeah. Um, you know, because she is worried about him once they realize that he might be in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when she thinks he's safe, she's mean. So, you know, like there, there is kind of that opening that I saw, which was interesting, but mostly this feels like an opportunity for a trendy guest star. I am sure. Yep. I agree. That's all yeah. it was. Uh, it was a Shanti. Yes. If, if you're, if you're too young to oh, know. Oh, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if the odds are retro for you and you don't know who a Shanti is. Yeah. Um, Speaking of arts music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think Ashanti came up in in that. Uh, anyway, I didn't hate the Xander thing. I agree that it was mostly played for laughs, but in that way, I actually thought that it was. You know, sometimes they I, they try to make out of light out of something that like should be treated more seriously. I do kind of think at this point it's like well established that like odds are like you know this is what's going to happen and. I don't know. I thought like their meet cute was, I don't know. Like I thought it was charming the kind of the way that it all broke down and like shook out. So I didn't really have a problem with it. I mean, it was sort of unnecessary, but sure. I I do feel a little bad for Xander though. Like I well, want him to be able to meet someone. It's true. That's <laughs> true. None of them can meet because anyone normal. Point, I mean, Allie, like, remember in season one where they ended that episode really sadly and they were like, will we ever have functioning adult love lives? And then we were like, <laughs> God, prophetically, no, you will not. <laughs> No, and and it's funny because the only girl that Xander has now dated historically that was human is also now part demon and also, you know, possessed or something. So Wait, who? Sorry. He doesn't know that, but I mean, you know. Who are you talking about? Cordelia. Oh, right. Duh, sorry. Whew. God, I forgot she Remember was even, when Xander she was even on this dating? show. <laughs> who? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay, yes. No, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. No, I mean, I agree that it's sad, but I think it's sad in a good way. This is the life that Xander's chosen. He has to be mature and he has to repair windows and he has to not be a superhero, but he still is tinged with all of the fallout of being in a, you know, crime fighting superhero team. Not really crime fighting, but you know what I mean? He's never going to lead a normal life. That's the sacrifice he's making. I feel like he deserves one non-demon date. I mean, that girl earlier this season, like, her ex turned out to be... A demon, like, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so. demonically cursed. I guess it's Sunnydale. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's true. Like, How many people are not dating demons? If we well, really look at the numbers. What, again, a question that comes up, right? Like, are there people in Sunnydale who are oblivious to this? Because I feel like in the early seasons, they really tried hard to make it seem like most of the town had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's always, like, a gas leak at the high school mm-hmm. or, like gang members on PCP or (laughs) something. But now it it seems like they're making no effort. Like, demons are strolling around in broad daylight. Like, there's bars that serve demons. Like, no human has ever tried to go into Willie's. Yeah. You know, it just seems really apparent that, like, everybody in town knows something weird is up. But, like, we were always kind of told that that wasn't the case. I mean... In the show's defense, I think, you know, season, this season, the first has come and is like infusing everything. So I think more demons are out now than ever before. And I do think that that's like fits the narrative. But yeah, but yes, people aren't like, oh, my God, know, where do we live? Leaving? They're more like, eh. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Yeah. Um, OK, can we talk about Principal Wood? Yes. I mean, I agree that something that should have been very interesting 
shook out pretty oddly and a little bit boring, but I do really like this reveal about Principal Wood. Like, I think it's an interesting thing that I wouldn't have thought to write, and I'm like, yeah, I want to see where this goes. Yeah, I because I, I'm trying to remember, I don't think that we ever had any indication that that Slayer had a child. No, def- I mean, that's definitely a retcon too, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, but like, like I said, that's an example of a good retcon. Right, where it's like, like yeah, you didn't really tell us much about her. Adding something to the story. Mm-hmm, yeah, go back and add the, some details, yeah. Also, like, if we think back to past Slayers that we've met, if if we meet someone who says he's the son of a Slayer, we can think back to the ones that we've met and, like, we're pretty quickly... You know, we're pretty, pretty quickly going to pin this on, especially yeah. once they add in, like, oh, she was killed by a vampire. Like, yeah. well, we've seen one Slayer fight a vampire and lose mm-hmm. and who was featured pretty prominently <clears throat> because she was in the episode um, when Spike is... Talking about yeah, um, teaching Buffy I think about fool, fool for love, right? Yeah, I forget. So, yeah, like when we're really digging into Spike's history. So, like if you really stop and think about it, like there's an obvious direction where this is going, especially in a season where we're trying to, or the show, not we, mm-hmm. the show is trying so hard to redeem Spike, but also not flinch away from his past mm-hmm. in most areas. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, <laughs> but. So, like, you can kind of see where that was likely headed. Um, but I don't care how obvious it might have been in retrospect. Like, it, I think it is really interesting. Like, every second where Buffy is, like, fangirling out over this concept, yeah. like, I really feel where she's coming from. Like, this is, like, the first hope she's ever seen where, like, a Slayer could have a kid. Now, it also might be a <clears throat> cautionary tale, you know, not to do that right. because his mom died when he was, like, a toddler. Um, but... You know, it's it's a it's a, a facet of being a slayer that Buffy has never ever ever considered, and we don't know if like she got called after she had him or before. Like we don't mm-hmm. we don't really know her history yet. I think they do dig into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But also, I I don't I'm not mad at the convenience of this. No, like, I agree. I, yeah, I do like the tension that Spike is the one who killed her and. Um, and that he's now in Sunnydale, not out of some sense of revenge, but because he felt like he had to be there to help, mm-hmm. um, which I think puts him in a good light. Yeah. Um, it might turn into revenge. I don't really remember the specifics, but yeah, I, I, like you said, like it, I think there's a lot of potential for this to be really interesting, but Maybe it's so just far, that they don't, not that. maybe part of why this, this, this episode kind of falls flat. I mean, so th- her date with Principal Wood is kind of at the center of it and they make some pretty good jokes about it. Like I liked the running gag of Buffy being like, maybe it's for a promotion. Everyone being like, no, and then just laughing no. in her face or like even Principal <laughs> Wood does the same thing. Like I thought the jokes were pretty fine in this episode. Like that kind of stuff moved along at a good quick pace, but I, I mean, I do, I agree with, like, kind of what Buffy said. It's like, yeah, Principal Wood is attractive, and he's charming, and he seems cool and interesting, so, like, she should be attracted to him, but, like, they don't have any kind of real spark, and I think maybe that's part of it, too, is it's, like, kind of this weird, like... I mean, and to be fair, you can you. that's why you go on first dates with someone, because it's like, maybe I just haven't thought about it, or maybe we just haven't been in that position, but I, you know, I... I I guess I'm just like, I'm not really that invested in them as an item, even though I kind of cognitively want to be for all the reasons that Buffy laid out. (laughs) Like, yeah, it makes sense. Oh, now he's the son of a slayer. Like, let's, let's go with that. Like, sure. But I don't know. So I guess I'm just saying like that kind of doesn't have some of the like buzz that you sometimes get from like a good pair up. So I think that might've been part of the point, but it just made it, the episode would feel a little bit bland to me. Also, I feel like there's some pieces missing, right? Because 
We haven't seen him in a few in episodes. His, Right, and in his final final scene with the first, he's very clear, like, oh. I have no time for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in helping you. Mm-hmm. But it's been heavily implied before that he was working with the first. And so I guess we're left to think now that he buried Jonathan because he found a body in the school yes. basement and was trying to clean up the mess. Oh, I definitely but think that, yeah. I, I, that's where I kind of assumed after this episode, but maybe that's not the case. But there's also no indications that like he doesn't remember gaps of time or something so like you know we see him with a bloody knife right I think it's just I think now in retrospect he probably was just like fighting a demon or something for sure yeah I think that was we were always meant to be suspicious of him I think yeah I think this that that final scene I think was meant to clarify for us he was never working for the first but but now I just want to know like why he buried Jonathan's body I mean it's true I I assume that they will ask him that but maybe not because I've made a lot of assumptions in the past about ways that they will tie up storylines that they haven't done so yeah. yeah um I have to say though I was I was annoyed that every time that Buffy you you said it too, so I might be alone in this, but Principal Wood very clearly asked her out on a date, in my opinion. <laughs> he even made a joke about how they need to, like, draw a paperwork about it so that he, you know what I mean? So it's like that she went home and was like, I don't know, is it a date? Is it a date or is it a promotion? I'm like, it was clearly a date. I don't, I don't understand why there was any question about that at all. I mean, other than Beth, Buffy being, like, insecure and, like, everybody feeling that way, but the other people weren't like, yes, he point blank asked you to dinner. Yes, it's a date. <laughs> I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of hemming and hawing over something that I'm like, you guys are too old for this. This is a date. Just move on with your life. You don't get promotions late night dinner in French, French restaurants. And if you right? do, then something you very probably wrong. don't want to yeah. take that promotion. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, suffice to say, I, I agree that they've at least opened the new interesting potential storyline, which is that, uh-huh, not a story about potentials, but um, I am interested to see the tension between Principal Wood and Spike develop. And I do think, I, I think it's very interesting for Spike to kind of not know that this is going on in the background. I mean, obviously he now knows, you know, and has spent a lot of the last few months, you know, dealing with his guilt over the things that he did when he was evil. But I understand like not necessarily fixating on that one and how it's going to maybe blindside him, I think will be, could be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. Just one other note. <laughs> Anya, once again, was wearing, like, a poodle skirt-inspired cardigan. She just, like, really has a thing for poodle skirts. <laughs> I think this is, like, the fourth time that we've seen her either in a pood- in an actual poodle skirt or with this one had just little poodles on it, but in a very clear motif that meant to, you know, evoke a poodle yeah. skirt. She just has a real style. It's weird. But she was wearing it with jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but you're right. Like, she does seem to have kind of That's a the thing that edge. Anya does. It just took me a really long time to realize it wasn't just all unhappy accidents. Yeah. It's apparently a decision that somebody in the wardrobe department made. Also, I want to mention that I really liked Andrew in this episode. Oh, yeah, me too. His path to redemption. But, yeah. okay, but that plan to try and record the first was completely idiotic, right? Like, why are they so stupid? I guess because they literally have nothing else to do. Like, they don't have any other options. But I thought that was like, why would you, what did you think you were going to get out of this? Yeah, it's unclear. Okay. Should we talk about uh, Angel? If we must. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about release? Oh, God. <laughs> now you can't unhear it. Um, no, but I can talk about the release of anger that I felt. Okay. Well, okay. Anger's not right. No, the release of non-feeling, I suppose. Yeah, I was going to say, I was correct. pretty medium on this one as well. Um, okay, so last episode, Faith got beat up pretty badly by Angel or Angelus. 
if I call him Angel, you'll you didn't you know who I'm talking about. Um, and then he killed the beast. Uh, so now he's faith is badly damaged and takes a shower at Wesley's and punches his wall. So he won't get his security deposit back. Um, and angel is gallivanting around at the local demon bars and bragging about what he's done. But then he gets hit all of a sudden with some sort of voice talking to him. He can't see where it's coming from. He doesn't know what's happening, but it sounds like it's the person who was formerly controlling and directing the beast, except now they're talking to angel. He obviously doesn't like this. He likes to be in control of things. So he, you know, he's just all of a sudden getting instructions from an incorporeal being. He doesn't know who it who it is. Honestly, I don't even think this is really an angelus trait. I think all of us would be pretty suspicious and annoyed. So he wants to know more about who who this is, who this voice is and where it's coming from. So he breaks into or, you know, breaks in is sort of loose. He goes to the hotel and steals basically the only couple of um, paper trail evidence that the um angel investigations had to go off of in terms of the beast and who might be controlling it. Yeah. They try and fight him. They've reinstated the sanctuary spell at the hotel. He sort of tries to trick Fred about it. And she accidentally tranks Lauren instead of hitting angel Angelus. He escapes also Cordelia is still pregnant and she tells Connor not to tell anyone because that's a normal thing to do. And Connor, poor Connor doesn't, he's just not equipped for this. Um, Oh, also, I should have said this. Obviously, Cordelia is the one now, you know, it's, it's been sort of established. She was the one controlling the beast. She's the one telepathically talking to Angel. So she's pretty much been hiding in their room and sending Connor out on miscellaneous errands every time she needs to, like, make a little quick telepathic phone call to Angel, to, to Angelus, to tell him what to do. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, they have several showdowns with Angelus. Uh, what's his name? Wesley is trying to like rile faith up and get her to be more dangerous than she kind of is. And she keeps failing basically at like defeating or besting Angelus. I would definitely like to talk more about that with you. Um, but they just go on the hunt. They're looking for Angelus. They eventually find him in this old, you know, they pick up enough clues by literally following around exactly what he had already done. We retread all the same scenes and all the same characters. <laughs> um, and then, they have another showdown kind of like they did at the end of the last episode. And by the end of it, uh, we end on a cliffhanger and Angelus is biting faith. Okay. I definitely, as I was giving that summary hit the nail on what was so boring about this episode. <laughs> and I had this thought at the end of it because the final showdown between, you know, you know, the second showdown between faith and Angelus in this episode and the second one in two weeks was, um, like, it was fine. It was interesting, right? Like, they gave him, like, a cool set. Like, the fight was, like, okay. But, but I was like, how long has this been going on? It really felt like it was, like, four or five minutes of a 22-minute episode where I was like, or uh, I guess these episodes are 45 minutes. But you know what I mean? Where I was like, this is actually eating up significant screen time. And it kind of made me feel like your guys' script fell short. And so you've just been trying to plug holes with, like, extra scenes wherever you could. So it was, like, every... Two, two seconds in that fight scene, Angelus was like taunting her just to draw out the scene, I thought. And then now that I was giving that recap, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> the other reason this episode was so boring is because Angelus did like three things and then we just had to watch Faith and um, Wesley do those exact same things. <laughs> like, well, we've already been, it's not that interesting to watch Faith shake down a demon, like just to find out where Angelus was because we've already seen where he is. Anyway. So, no, I think this episode right, was very boring that... and it felt very filler heavy. <laughs> It was. And also, I think there was also this 
implication that we're supposed to be excited because <clears throat> Cordelia Angel or Angelus and Faith are having a showdown. Right. Oh, that How too. exciting. But I'm like, this just happened. Exactly. Like, we just watched her in the shower for five minutes about, like, cleaning up after the last one, which, you know, that was unnecessary. Exactly. But, like, also drawn out. <laughs> I, like, I actually wondered about that shower scene. Like, I was like, is this supposed to be titillating I know, in some I way? Like, tell. are we supposed yeah. to be ogling Eliza Dushku? I think a little Or are bit. they honestly trying to show the physical toll that it took on her fighting Angelus? You know, I don't know. I really no. couldn't come to a decision. I have a decision for you. It's that they're trying to do both, as always, except that they're so sloppy in this show. Because I was with you. I was like, okay, maybe I'm just being unfair to them and they're not trying to be titillating. They're just showing all of her cuts and bruises. And I was up, I was like willing to give them a pass up until there was a shot of her unbuttoning her fly and you literally can't see anything else. And I was like, no, so you're yeah. definitely trying to be sexy about this, which is like, but it's so weird. She's yeah. like beat like, up and you're like, let's make it sexy. Say, in a different like, context, I would maybe be interested in that. But like, it was just so like, I was interested in seeing how much damage had been done to her. And I was like, yeah, dang, she's really beat up. And then I was like, oh, nope, you, you screwed it up. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Like, now I'm just annoyed. Yeah. Okay, so there was that. But then <clears throat> also, yeah, this fight scene was just, like you said, honestly a little bit boring because it had just happened. And it it's so like long. they're hitting the same notes. Like, Faith is, like, scared of Angelus, who... By the way, why? Because he's proved to be a nothing. Yeah. Like, I still think he's so ineffective. Like, everybody's so afraid of him, and I don't understand why, because I've seen nothing so no, far I to agree. prove that he's this big bad. Um, in a way that in season two of Buffy, you had no doubt how lethal know, he was. I know, I, I know. I don't know what's happened to this Angelus. Like, he just doesn't seem that scary to me. Yeah, but then, you know, they're just like, they keep going back to the same beats. It's like, okay, now they're going to fight again. And it's like, uh, like... I, I'm just so tired of Angelus, and this isn't going anywhere. And I think I was watching this episode, and I really think I came to the conclusion of why, not the only reason, yeah. but a major reason why I've been really annoyed with this span of episodes is I feel like they're trying to cram, like, two episodes worth of story yeah, into, like, every. five episodes. <clears throat> and so you have this feeling that they're just spinning their wheels. Like, a great example is the one where... Angelus was being restored and we spent an entire episode in some Raiders of the Lost right. Ark fantasy right, right, where, right. you know, as entertaining as that might have been and as as much as I admitted at the end that I did fall for the, mm-hmm, the, the thing, ruse. Mm-hmm. the ruse, in retrospect, especially now when we're four episodes into Angelus and nothing has happened. It's true. And <clears throat> everybody keeps doing the same beats over and over and, and the main through line seems to be like, oh my God, Angelus, but like nothing has happened except the beast has been killed and we found out Cordelia is, you know, the one pulling the strings. I'm left wondering like, what what have I been doing for the last four episodes? Like, I just feel like, like where have we gotten so much Almost nowhere. Time. Yeah. Yes. Nothing nowhere. has changed like in their world other I than the in sun's the, in the world of In the world of this, you know storyline I think it's literally been like five hours Mm -hmm. like it's just it's so unnecessarily drawn out but and And I I don't know why like I don't I don't know if they saw it as an audience like oh we really want them to see or they're gonna want a lot of Angelus but like we don't have that much storyline to fill it's like no just make it as quick as you need to make it just just 
don't give me five episodes of Angelus running around at Los Angeles doing nothing. I know. It's weird, too. Okay, so I one thing I want to add is that, yes, you're, you're right. In between the final fight scene that was at le- probably five minutes long and the shower scene that was also five minutes long, they literally must have come up ten minutes short for this episode, which is, like, not bode well. Let, not to say anything of the fact that, like, literally Angel beat up that demon guy in the bar. It wasn't that funny the first time. And then we had to watch Faith do it again, where it was, again, not that funny. So it's, yeah. like, really, like, 15 minutes of this episode was nothing happening. Great. Or at least nothing productive. You know what I mean? Like, yes, there's a lot of nothing happening in this one. Um, And I forgot what the next thing I was going to say was. It was something reacting to what you said. (laughs) I'll get there in a minute. But yeah, it it really feels like it feels very thin. And oh, I know what I was going to say. It's a shame, as always, because... You know, they're also, I think, really banking on this Cordelia reveal to have hit harder than it it has for you and I. I mean, like, Cordelia's literally stuck in the bedroom. Like, how interesting is that for your villain? It's not interesting, is what I'm here to say. She's talking to a crystal. It looked looked ridiculous. Like, yeah, like, this effect was bad. The reveal, because it was just her in her bed with her eyes glazed over, was bad. Like, I really didn't like it. And because she's not doing anything. They're not helping it. She sounds like a cartoon It sounds so bad. It sounds really bad. And then Cordelia's delivery, Charisma Carpenter's delivery is not great, as we've already talked about. I have, I don't blame her for phoning in at this point because this is all really stupid. So yeah, but I don't think that she sells it either. I guess what's bothering me too is, you know, the reason that I think they're banking on, oh, if you've watched Angel the Show, you already know how dangerous Angelus is. And then they're just, they've been riding on those coattails this whole season of like, the threat of him just looms. But then you're right that when they actually bring him back, he hasn't really done anything. And what's driving me nuts now is that like, he's not even the one in charge. Like understand him, like maybe wanting to fight this person that's trying to lead him because Angelus, you know, loves to be the one in charge and loves to be in power. But like, they don't really go through that, that dynamic that much. It just feels like, Angelus was interesting because he was a master manipulator. And so instead we have Cordelia sitting in her bed telling him very vague things, but like, she's not very much of a puppeteer either. So it's like, nobody's doing anything. There's nothing happening. Like what is so threatening? They, the beast was kind of threatening, but now they've decided he wasn't that important and they got rid of him. But like the sun's back guys, who cares? Like it's all fine. We can just move on with our lives. I think you just said it, and I think, as usual, there is an interesting story here that they're just ignoring. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, Angelus does come back into a situation where he's not in control, which I think would make him really interesting if we could watch him really try flail. to figure out why and wrestle yeah, that back. Yeah, not flail. But I take that back. That's but. <laughs> not the story that they're telling. Instead, it's the story of ooh, Cordelia is the owner of the beast or the master of the beast or whatever and now trying to be the master of Angelus, but that's just not that compelling and Angelus doesn't get his chance to be what makes him interesting in this scenario. Like, Angelus having a demon, like, whisper in his head is honestly... Laughable also. And doesn't, like, treat the character very well and... Yeah, I mean, there's the problem of the whole Cordelia angle, too. But, you know, there was a really interesting nugget that the show just totally glossed over when Wesley and Faith yes. show up to, I I thought they were going to, like, a shop or something. Uh, yeah, and it turned out. Yeah. But it looked like an abandoned train station yeah. or something, wherever that final fight was. I read on the wiki and that it's a museum. That's where that guy worked, I guess. I okay. know, they made it sound like okay. it was a shop when Lauren described where they were going, but whatever, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand where they were supposed to be. There was a lot of scaffolding. Mm-hmm. But 
Honestly, it looked like they repurposed the hotel set. Probably. So, yeah. Um, which was also distracting. <laughs> but so there's this little moment where Angelus tells them, oh, a little birdie told me you'd be here. Right. And to me, that's so interesting because that's the part where we have Cordelia pulling the strings, telling Angelus, oh, they're going here because Connor has presumably reported back to her, Mm -hmm. like, what the plan is and what's happening. But you don't even get a chance to, like, make that connection or sit and kind of enjoy the part where this is working in some way. Because it's glossed right over and then there's immediately punching and... And they don't even write, they don't even sit and go, wait, what birdie? Like they, like, right, it, right. To me, I just like, again, like I think the interesting things are being ignored or they're not even, <clears throat> like the writers aren't even noticing that they're interesting. Yeah. The other thing that I yeah, and, was interested in, although I didn't actually like really the way that it played out, but I thought, again, was like, if this had been the focus of the episode, maybe that would have been more interesting, but they really oddly defanged uh, Faith in this episode as well. Like, kind of all of a sudden, she was powerless. Like, literally last episode, I was like, man, it was so cool to see her come in and be the tactician and to have this great plans and to, like, really see that she is a slayer. And I understand her hesitation, but they did not sell it to me. Like, I cognitively think, yes, it makes sense to me that Faith, who's grappled with all of this stuff, would be hesitant to just let, you know, kill Wesley in the service of saving, you know, hundreds of lives or to kill Angel when, or to kill Angelus when she's trying to save Angel. Like I get all those dynamics, but they didn't really let them air out. And I also thought like they, they said it for like a, I had like a minute or two of, of Wesley, of kind of seeing how Wesley and Faith have essentially inverted their roles, you know, or their dynamic with one another where like Wesley is encouraging her to go too far. But like, they just didn't really dwell on that either. And I was like, I think you could have made that the whole episode and it would have, been more interesting but it's like focus on faith focus on angelus focus on literally anything other than all of it at once and and all of the boring things like there is so much there that could be meatier i totally agree with you i think the end result is that faith just seems scared she just seems scared even that would have been interesting to explore but they didn't really do that um but i think what you just said i thought was the most interesting part of this episode was the story of Faith and Wesley. Mm-hmm. And I found myself like halfway through remembering that Wesley was Faith's watcher. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's really hard to remember that sometimes until they started talking about, you know, the time she tortured him. And I remembered, oh, why she tortured him. But, you know, there is this moment where maybe he's a little bit misguided or maybe he thinks this is the only solution. Mm-hmm. But Wesley is trying to coach her through this scenario yeah. and trying to, to, in a sense, like help her access what she needs to be successful. And it's all a little bit twisted because yes, maybe Wesley's taking it too far. Yes. They're dealing with Angelus. Yes. They've all had this like history, but I, I was so interested because, you know, five years later, Wesley and Faith are having this dynamic that they were always supposed to have, mm-hmm. which is Slayer and Watcher. And they're both in totally different places. They, like, like you said, they've kind of swapped a little bit. Whereas I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say Wesley takes it too far. I think Wesley's become a person who understands what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, like he stopped romanticizing situations or, you know, being afraid to do what he has to do. And Faith is like, not, I wouldn't say being overly cautious, but has become a cautious person. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really interesting. But I also think it was really interesting, those little moments where he's like, 
taunting her and it comes across as really cruel and then he's like this is what you're going to need to access to beat him and in that moment it feels like Wesley is truly trying to do the best he can to help her um and yes I mean the whole following Angelus is kind of boring and maybe the show doesn't make it as interesting as it could be because again they take what is the interesting thing and ignore Mm -hmm. it but I was like, I would watch an episode of this, of Faith coming to Wesley and saying, hey, I just got my ass kicked. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go back to my old ways and take it this far because I do ultimately want to try to save Angelus. Like, can you, or Angel, can you help me come up with a plan or, you know, see them naturally start working together. What I need to be to succeed at this. And, yeah, no, I agree. They're not even trying to do that. No, and it's true. You know what? You're right. I actually did think that Wesley was going too far, but it was really hard to make a determination because they really didn't linger on it. And I was like, I, I need to see more of this. And it's like, you're right that like if if Faith had either asked for help from him or if they had really gotten to talk about it just a little bit more, I think like this idea that she could clearly express why she wants to save Angel, like again, like that whole plot line of why Faith is so dedicated to saving Angel, they're counting on us remembering an episode from a couple seasons ago that Wesley wasn't a part of. So like Faith really does need to explain to him like something more than just say, but I have to save Angel. Like she just, her explanation to Wesley was so thin that like, I, I think I, I, this is the first time that I've really found myself disagreeing with and kind of questioning Wesley. I think he is, I agree that his motives with the way that you've described it is like, he knows what needs to be done. And I respect that. I, I, I'm just not sure this is the right way to handle this particular situation. So I'm just like, God, there's so much there that they could work out. <laughs> yeah, yes. If they would just talk about it as always, if any characters on the show would actually speak to one another <laughs> other than through mystical means and possessions, like that would be really helpful. But yeah, it was just like her explanation to Wesley was so thin when there was so much there for her to explain. Like I get not wanting to get too bogged down in, in exposition, but like, yeah, they could have worked out so much more, the two of them. And I would have, I loved the second where I was like, oh, I'm doubting Wesley. Like that was kind of fun for me too, where it's like, he doesn't have to be right all the time. Or you like, you agree with him. Like, I don't know. It was, it was nice to kind of just get more there to, to react to <laughs> like, what, what's he doing? But it just really didn't linger. And then he just got smacked by Angelus when they went to the showdown. So I was like, you're really just, yeah. Oh, and Alex yeah. pointed this out, too, that, like, yeah, Lauren is in this episode, but, like, for the hundredth time, he gets knocked out, like, within the first, like, two seconds that he's on screen, and then he's just not there until the end of the episode again. It's like... When he has to conveniently tell them, <laughs> yeah. oh, I know where Angelus yes. is. Like, yeah. But every word out of his mouth, I did. I, love, I will. I okay, his, but I... Yeah. I love the moment where he joked that he was going to have those drawings yes, phrased. Yeah, me too. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Every word out of his mouth is a great joke or like a fun, cool reference. Like I really liked him and I liked the way he explained to them where Angelus was. Is like, oh, that guy, he just hawks those things. I know who he is. Like, I thought that was actually a really clever explanation, but yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, on that note. <laughs> on that note, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, there's the interesting reveal that... Connor might present as demon. Right. I don't know. I don't because really buy that, I guess, but does go after Angelus. Yeah. I'm just like, mm, yawn. Like none of it's that interesting. Also yeah. though, although I mean it is a nice moment where and, and again, this is so frustrating because it all comes out of this ickiness of like Connor and Cordelia's relationship mm-hmm. and, you know, the annoyance of like Connor having to find this out fighting Angelus, but Again, there's a great nugget here of Cordelia telling Connor, like, 
oh, I'm part demon. Right. Like, it's fine. Like, there's no, you know, like, we're all a little bit of something. Like, you know, and she's like, yeah, it's kind of like I had to do it because of these visions. Like, she's kind of letting him know that something he's clearly upset about is, like, kind of no big deal. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, wow, what a great moment on another show that would have been. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Anyway. Oh, and also, um, this is, like, the fourth episode in a row that they've ended on a cliffhanger. This is, like... Stop it. Stop. It's not. Cliffhangers are really to be used judiciously and with a really good meaty cliffhanger. This is like, oh, do I really think Faith is going to get turned into a vampire in the next episode? You know what? I don't. <laughs> so stop it. Yeah. Like, these are not good cliffhangers for the most part. I already forgot that exactly. that happened. So clearly it wasn't yeah. effective. <laughs> I was like, wait, what was the cliffhanger? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or is she going to die? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess conceivably, but like, she's not, sorry, spoilers. Even if I had never seen this, I would not believe it for a second. No, they're not going to kill Faith in this way. They wouldn't even like let Angelus kill Lila if we're being honest. I know, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, God, thank you for listening to us rant for the 10th week in a row. (laughs) It hasn't been 10 weeks. I'm I'm trying to, (laughs) like, I know where this is going. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that we're wrapping up this arc of Angelus. And I I know that I do enjoy how that ends. Mm. So I'm waiting for that episode. I don't remember how it ends. Next week. Um, Well, I think you'll like it. Um, So I'm hoping that that's the next episode. I have no faith at this point. I could look it up, but why why just let myself down too early? I don't know. You have no faith. Um, I have no faith. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, okay. next time mm-hmm. we've got Get It Done. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that is. And I don't know. Orpheus. The angel one. Morpheus. Orpheus. No M. Orpheus. Orpheus, like the guy that leads his wife, like goes to The guy that Hades. goes in the underworld? Yes. Great. I'm I'm betting they're not going to use that. I know. I bet, so. I bet there's some thin <laughs> reference to it, and it's a little off. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe. Like, okay. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe there's another meaning of Orpheus that we don't know Probably, about. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Similar to Calvary. Calvary. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Well, hopefully those are better. Yeah. Right. We'll be nicer so, either way next week. Yeah. In the meantime. In the meantime. Do you have any pop culture for us? Um, not really, but we did uh, watch season two of Runaways. While in the oh, I didn't finish it yet. Oh, I thought you had finished it. No, oh, I'm like okay. halfway through. All right, well, we finished it, so that's it. That's exciting. I don't know. I was it good? Uh, I mean, it's fine. It's exactly what it. Oh, <laughs> I think the first season was better. I don't. I have this weird reaction to that show, which is that I just can't stop watching it. It's like, even they do things that I complain (laughs) about them as we're watching it. And I'm like, but can we watch the next one? So it's like, it just really has my number in this weird way. That's like, I can't in good faith be like, yes, the show is excellent. I think the show is good, but it's not like excellent. And there's like so many things that they do that bother me, but I just can't stop watching it. I'm like, yeah, season three comes out soon and I'm going to definitely watch it. So that's that. That's my explanation. That show just is ticking a couple of weird boxes that I can't quite identify, but that I see inherently love. So yeah, I'll watch more. They did a lot of stupid things though. A lot of the characters, there's a lot of like characters doing things and you're like, why are you doing that? And and then the answer is like, Oh, just for plot, for plot. It just had to happen. So they made you do that. My favorite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Um, but, but yeah, James Marsters is in it. It was actually kind of weird to watch that show for like two weeks, then flip back to Spike. I was like, wow, okay. Because <laughs> he looks very different. Yeah, yeah, and he's got his American Because, you know, he's, he's older, he's filled out a little yeah. bit, and he's got dark hair. Yeah. Um, and then coincidentally, <laughs> my friend and I hang out uh, and watch a, usually try to watch a movie like once a month or so. And she came over and she was like, you know what I would really love to watch is Old Lace and Arsenic. And I've never seen it. And I was like, it's weird that you say that because we just finished season two of Marvel's Runaways. Um, and they named the dinosaur Old Lace after that play slash movie. OK, maybe you don't remember that. Anyway, it was just a fun coincidence. No, that, I do. Um, yeah. So I also watched that and it was great. I've never seen it. Yeah, I don't know that much about Arsenic and Old Lace, actually. Oh, yeah, Arsenic but, and Old Lace. Um, I said it backwards, but... Yeah. <clears throat> but it, yeah, I did know that it was reference to something. It so. was, like, not what I was expecting, but it was very good. Kooky. Kooky old, old-time play movie. Play slash movie. I mean, we watched the movie with Cary Grant, but... Anyway. Uh, okay, do you have anything? Uh, I do. So I watched the new one which was Mike Birbiglia's oh, Netflix yeah, yeah, special, yeah. Okay. which is based on this play that he's had, or one-man show that he's had for a couple years now. And, you know, I I really loved it. Okay. I <laughs> laughed, and then I, like, cried a little bit at the end. And But I found myself, like, while I was watching it, just really thinking about, and I know, I don't think that Mike Birbiglia is underrated, mm-hmm. but... I don't know why he's not more famous because in my Twitter circle that I follow threads, like he is pretty Mm -hmm. famous, but that's because I follow him. So like I see everything (laughs) that he likes, but I just think that he is a master storyteller. Like I really do. And like going back to sleepwalk with me Mm -hmm. and then I think, I can't remember if I saw it with you, but I think I saw, I think so. My girlfriend's boyfriend, I think is the one that I saw here in San Francisco. Okay. And, there's like a, and then I think he had Thank God for Jokes, which was another Netflix special. And, you know, it's so funny because I think he, he gets presented as this comic mm-hmm. stand-up who's doing like a stand-up show, but ultimately there are a lot of jokes, but that is not what he's right. doing. He's telling these very real stories about life, but also he's had some interesting things happen to mm-hmm. him. Um, but I don't know, like I, I was watching the show and I was like, he could so easily be the villain in this story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's a man who, like, doesn't want to have a kid, who decides to have a kid with his wife, like, and goes through all this. But he's just, like, telling it in a way where you kind of understand where he's coming from the whole time. He And, and maybe that's the point. But it's also very nuanced, and he manages to capture that. And hmm. I don't know. I was just really impressed. Okay. So That's funny because I, I don't... I mean, I really like him... And I was a very big fan of the era of Sleepwalk With Me. And I, at a certain point, I was like, I have to dial it back. Because, like, I'm, like, I was getting, I don't know, you just, you know, when you, like, overdo something. And I was like, I need to take a break from him. And I haven't really dipped my toes back in. And I knew that that had come out. But I was like, maybe I should do it. Maybe I shouldn't. But this is a good explanation. Or, like, a good. Well, I kind of felt the same way. Like, I <laughs> hadn't really checked in with anything he was doing like, I knew this was happening, but I was like, I'm not going to, like, go see this show mm-hmm. or anything, obviously, because it was only ever in New York and L.A. But, like, it had been a while since I'd really kind of, like, immersed myself in his style. Yeah. And I thought that this one was different than previous okay. ones. Like, it's very visual and, like, there's just some really great moments and... It was, like, a nice return. But also I was like, oh, he, like, he grew up. Yeah. Like, he's not telling wacky stories about, like, sleepwalking. It's, like, real stories about, like, Yeah, life. interesting. Um, 
And I, and I just think he always finds the thread that you don't expect. Like, mm-hmm. I remember my girlfriend's boyfriend, I think, was the one where he's, like, telling a story that you think is going one one way. And then at the end of it, it's like, oh, I got married. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, so... No, you're right I, about that, There's though, always that, kind like, of... Yeah, that's a good expl- description of him, where it's like, he's telling a story, but it's not the story that you immediately think. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Um, okay. And this one wasn't really either. Like, it's presenting as a story about a man ambivalent about having kids, but, like, maybe not. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. I don't know. It was cool. Okay. So, I'd recommend that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, what team are you oh, on this God. week? Uh, it's oh, going to be my tough. Notes. <laughs> team Ashanti. <laughs> 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 I really did enjoy her performance, and I thought that whole gag with the ropes was pretty funny. I yeah, don't know her I, demon um, name. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's only in this one episode. Forgive me. I think I have to be Team Andrew. Yeah, I think that's good too. I did because I I did like his little his little moment with the microwave. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> and demon Jonathan was like, "You Willow brought something into this house that could be used." He was like, "The microwave." <laughs> oh, Andrew's always funny. He's so good. Cool. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Well, we'll be back. Well. Yes. Hopefully more in like with more enjoyment. Yep. Okay. Okay. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.